Welcome in everyone to the OKC82 podcast. This is Matt Burton here and I have a very, very special guest and uh, one of my absolute favorite people uh, that I've ever worked with. And then he's actually just a friend. I mean, he's just, he's got, I'm looking at his beautiful face right now, just smiling at me. It is Derek Parker um, from Thunder Inside. I already, I'm so sorry. Thunder Inside, InsideThunder.com, InsideThunder.com and the Panhandles podcast, which that one I'm not going to forget because I love listening to you guys. You and Jake Kerr, uh, you guys do a great job. You do, um, for from every episode that I've listened to, you've had a top three at the start of at the start of every show. You got top, and it's not like top three like prospects. It, you know, it's top three candy bars, top three fast food chains. Um, listen, I, I I might have a little problem. You guys had you guys had Brahms on there, obviously. I had. I had Brahms just before this. Uh, Brahms might be my number one. Is that is that controversial? No, not at all. I mean, okay. I I feel bad because I live in Oklahoma and I I have access to Brahms. For but sure. But like these people that don't live here, like how do they like honestly? What is their like will to live? Like how do they survive without Brahms? I know. It makes no sense to me. One of my favorite interactions, and it's the only fa- like good interaction I've ever had calling to set up like my my Cox internet or something like that or uh, troubleshoot something where you know you call a, and they send you to a call center or whatever <laughs> you get uh, the robot guy, for 5 minutes before you get right. a real person exactly exactly and then you're on the phone for 30 minutes to an hour um but to killing for killing the time he was like man he was like this dude was he was super nice he was like so where where are you guys at like where where are you at right now i was like uh yeah i'm i'm here in Oklahoma he was like, "Oh, y'all got Brahms down there." He's like, "Man, I." He's like, "Every time I go to Oklahoma, he was like, I gotta get me some Brahms." So I was like, "Yes." I think he was. He said he's from like Connecticut or something, and I was like, "All right, yeah." So, so Brahms, the good word of Brahms has spread far and wide. I was gonna say the fact that it's like a legendary, like people are like hearing of it. That's good news. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's a fast food chain and it's a dairy store. It's a it's a grocery store as well. People don't get that. Well, before People it was the that. Paycom Center, that was like my number one uh, place to be the new the new branding name. I wanted the Brahms Center or like the Brahms Factory, Dude. whatever they want to call it. I have no idea. But it should have been. It should have been. What could have been? Yeah. In hindsight. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight. You catch me there more. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. If I could go get a number Absolutely. nine four piece with a large Dr Pepper, uh, I'd go to a oh, lot yeah. more games. Oh my goodness, that would be awesome. That would be great. Um, I didn't want Sonic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sonic. Did not want the Sonic Arena. Sonic. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even get me started on a Sonic tangent. Yeah, okay, man. I know, I know. God, I, I could if go you on wanna, forever. I that's one thing I really enjoyed this. You guys breaking down each other's top three fast food. So go listen to the Panhandles podcast with Derek and Jake because uh, they get way more in depth uh, to this fast food top three than I could than I ever could. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw out my number one in Brahms and have you just kind of break it down. And so thank you, I, I appreciate that. What's your uh, What's your go to meal? Uh, just a bacon cheeseburger. Yeah. Just bacon cheeseburger there. Keep it simple. Some fries. Yeah. All good. And then you know, late at night, you know, you get a, you get a little small small waffle cone, chocolate frozen yogurt. Can't go wrong. Pretty yeah. basic, but can't go wrong. Every once in a while, that's normally my go-to as well as the burger. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'll go uh, I'll go for a cheeseburger. Kind of switch it up a little bit. Ooh, I like that. I like, I like the little jalapeno cheeseburger yeah. that they have with the pepper jack cheese. You know. So just to switch it up, spice up my life a little bit. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you just got to do it. Um, Derek, okay, so I know that, uh, for one, I have you on because I absolutely trust your opinion. And 
because you dive super deep on the NBA draft, all the prospects, everything. And that's why, I mean, another reason I love listening to your podcast, man, because I mean, the deep dives that you do, uh, to me, I, I just, I, I trust your opinion, man. Like that's the, that's one thing I, I trust your eye, um, for talent and the prospects and everything. And I just, I know you dive deep. I want to just kind of wade in your waters here a little bit. I want I want to dive a little bit deep with you, you know, take me scuba diving. This is, this is my, like, I'm a first timer. Okay. <laughs> Maybe hold my hand down, down the waters here. Listen, um, if you, if we, you go scuba diving with me, there's a hundred percent chance you're getting the bends and this is probably, things are probably not going to go well. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We'll go through it together. It's okay. <laughs> okay, so the, I wanted to start off first with kind of what you look for when you're scouting. Is, is it different when it's a bigger guy? or I mean, I'm sure it is. When, when you're uh, like in between a, a guard or a forward or maybe this guy's a tweener, like he's in between someone like uh, – like like a Keegan Murray for me, he's like he's kind of a tweener mm-hmm. for me. Like, at least he was at Iowa, but I think he projects more as like a wing in the in the NBA. Um, so, what are some things that stick out to you that you're maybe looking at first whenever you're, you know, let's say, hey, you put on, I'm putting on this guy, I'm diving deep on his tape. What are some things you look for, not only in his tape, but some consistency through all tape that you're watching? I think my biggest thing, and it's not really quantifiable, it's just more what I watch for when I'm, I mean, YouTubing highlights, like everyone else's feel for the right. game. Uh, if they're all stiff and, and they're walking down the court looking stiff and their shot form is stiff and they, they just kind of look awkward and they're, you can just like tangibly feel that their feel for the game is not there. That, I mean, that's something that I, I take into effect, you know? I mean, if I see a guy like Jaden Ivey who, I mean, he has incredible bursts and explosion, good shot form crazy fast all this stuff like and when you watch him you can see that like I mean his feel for the game is off the charts he's off ball like sprinting around at 107 miles an hour uh whereas opposed to like and I know you're not gonna like this because I know you're a Duke guy but AJ Griffin to me he just looks a little stiffer and I don't know I just it's not quantifiable but but there's that and then another thing I would say is which kind of fits into that is shot form uh there's guys that of course, you can improve your shot form as you go throughout your career, but right. there's some guys that they just have it. I mean, Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith Jr. right now, those guys just have it. Yeah. Uh, whereas maybe like a Jeremy Sohan, the Tari Eason's, uh, they're going to need tweaks here and there. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's something you got to take into effect too. So those are two big things. I'm really big on passing. So playmaking, passing, those are big. Uh, effort on defense. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it. But those are some of my few things I would say. For sure. So if you're if you're out there, you don't know um, kind of how to look at tape or anything, but you want to get more involved in it and look at some of those things that Derek just just mentioned. I mean, you know, just like he said, feel for the game. The shot, the shot it, to me, it's I loved it, man. I, I, I grew up around basketball. My dad and his dad were both basketball coaches at the high school level. I played for a long time. And the shot mechanics to me, it's just it's fascinating to me. I, I love looking at shots, shot form, anything. You mentioned the guy, Jeremy Sohan. Uh, like, we were talking about his, his like, three-point three percentage is bad, 29%, I believe, yeah. and 58% from the free throw line. Usually, if you're a bad free throw shooter, it's just, it's just it, it's maybe just not in the cards mm-hmm. for you. But I watch him shoot, and I think, okay, there's, it's not broken by right. any means. Thunder fans, you guys know what broken looks like. That's Andre Robertson. <laughs> I'm not just coming out of it. It's just 
you remember watching Andre Robertson shoot, and every time he shot, I would say, oh, that's not going in. because Just because his shot form, it was just so bad and, and broken. But I watched Jeremy Sohan shoot, and I'm like, okay, there's something that can work there. His mechanics aren't absolutely broken. Now, he's not going to be a uh, pump fake, two dribbles, step back three guy ever. <laughs> Definitely but, not. But no, he's not, he's not ever going to grow into that. But I think that, you know, hey, if they leave him open – he might he might run into a couple here and there in his in his career where he can make some of those. A great point to your point there is Scotty Barnes. I mean, him yeah. and Jeremy Sohan coming into the draft were super similar. I mean, statistically, size wise, the way they play basketball, both six men in college, uh, it's super similar. And now Scotty Barnes, his shot looks better. It's improving. He was, yeah. I mean, he's the rookie of the year. So now I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say that Jeremy Sohan's gonna be rookie of the year. But, I mean, it can get better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Derek, I think we should just start off where I'm sure everyone wants to start off. <laughs> um, what do the th- – I'll ask you. I, I just released an episode with Christine. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you for just Derek Parker, just, just you, Derek Parker, Thunder Rider, podcast guy. Who would you like to see the Thunder take – at two, not not who the fans want, not who you think Sam Presti is going to take. Who would you want to see the Thunder take it to? I mean, I personally, as unbiased as possible, I want to see Chet. I mean, I just think as a play finisher, he's going to fit really well for a couple years. I mean, seven foot seven wingspan. I'm not going to say he's going to be Rudy Gobert defensively, but he's probably the closest thing we've ever seen to him as a prospect. And then he's also shooting 40% from three. Add that to a team with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy. He can function as a play finisher for three years. And then if he blossoms into a guy that can handle it and play make, amazing. I mean, you've got a seven foot one playmaker. So I just think it's, it's one of those weird scenarios where he's the best player in the draft. He's the best fit for Oklahoma City. And he's the best long-term option as well. It's just like a, it's a perfect storm. And I just, I can't see any other timeline, to be honest. Right, and he's he's just so unique. Like he's so unique, and I I remember watching. It was specifically a game that uh, Chet Holmgren was playing, and he was playing against Imani Bates. They were in high school. It was like their AAU teams were playing and whatever, and they posted on ESPN because hey, it's like the two guys that could go number one and you know back to back drafts. Um, and the guy they had on there, he, the guy that was doing the, the color commentary, basically he was talking to guys in the NBA about Chet specifically and about the frame and, and all that stuff. Everyone has concerns. I know that's anytime I'm on radio, that's like their, that's like the biggest concern. Like, oh, he, he needs to go eat at Cattleman's with Poku. Yeah, <laughs> like I get it. I get it. But he was saying that the NBA, like what's the one thing that prospects coming in that people shouldn't worry about? And apparently the NBA guy told him like body, like frame, like if they're, if they're too skinny, because I mean, you got to think professional organizations, um, they spend so much money on sports science, nutritionists, everything. Like they can put weight on a guy and they know what a, what a guy once once they get your, you know, body fat percent, everything like that, they know how much a frame can hold. Like Chet, like Chet may not be able to put on 40 to 50 pounds and still be effective, but he can put on 20, 25 more pounds. And then, Hey, maybe that's really effective. Like, obviously I'm not comparing them as players, but Kevin Durant, like he's still lanky. Like he's still lanky. He's put on way more, way more muscle. And 
um, just body mass as he's as he's gotten older, but he's still super lanky, and that's just because maybe a guy's frame can't hold that much, but he can still be effective with however much you put on him. Anybody that's like really, really basing their decision on Chet's frame alone, and like that's the one reason you like wouldn't take him in all this. I would really urge you to go watch his high school tape, his U19 tape, uh, the FIBA stuff where he played Victor. Uh, he's he has tape out there with Evan Mobley. Uh, he dominate. I mean, he's just dominated everything. He's dominated at Gonzaga. Like, he's just not going to all of a sudden drop off as this basketball player just because he went up a weight class. You know, I mean, right. it, it. I don't know. He he has just been an absolutely dominant basketball player in every single facet in every single league. I just have a hard time not seeing it translating. And if it takes a couple years, it takes a couple years. But he'll get there. Oh yeah, he he absolutely will. I I completely agree. And how much do you think it? helped or hurt him having Drew Timmy there at Gonzaga with him, a guy that's on the low post, but I mean, Chet can just kind of float around, work the high posts, work the perimeter and do stuff like that. Do you think uh, that that's another big thing is like, okay, is he going to be a center? I would say, no, I think that would just completely like, you know, you're taking away stuff that he does well, like on the perimeter. Like, uh, I mean, he can put the ball on the floor too. Like he can put the ball on the floor and go past some of those bigger guys. And another thing too, last, last thing, um, I was talking to Christine. I was like, everyone's like, Oh man, he would get eaten alive. If he had to guard Joel Embiid or Nikola <laughs> Jokic. I'm like, Hey guys are already getting eaten alive guarding those guys. Like the, it, he would just be added to a list of one of everyone who can't guard those guys. Yeah, uh, there's about, how many people are on the planet? It's like 8.1. There's about 8.1 billion people on the planet who can't guard Joel Embiid. Absolutely, absolutely. Add them to the list, I guess, if you want, but. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so do you think he projects as like, I I would say maybe later on in his career, I don't know how, how late that is. Maybe he is your, you know, pick and roll center, whatever, pick and pop, yada, yada, but for me, man, I, I think you just kind of let him play wherever, just because he like he is so unique as a basketball player to me. Yeah, to your original point, I think Drew Timmy absolutely helped him at Gonzaga, but not in the way that like made him look better because he's bad. It just accelerated his strengths, you know? I mean, if he as a four is able to stand at the top of the key and lob uh, and lob the ball to like a, a strong five, uh, with with his passing ability, he can get it over almost anyone. If he's got a five down there, I mean, that that's a strength, you know? You want him there. You want him on the perimeter being able to do, like you said, the PNR, the PNP. So I think he's absolutely a four, not because he couldn't play five, but just because, I mean, he's so much more dangerous as a four. And if you can have another big-bodied guy, kind of like a bad example, but Al Horford and Robert Williams are on the court at the same time last night. So right. if you can have those guys on the court at the same time, it's obviously a strength. Right, which is why they should obviously take Mark Williams at twelve and just not, and just call it a day. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, hey, I like Mark. Okay, man. so I like Mark. I Williams. do. I do. I do too, man. We'll, we'll get into some of the Duke guys later for sure, just for my own uh, personal sanity. Right. Um, so, Your agenda. Okay. Yeah, my, my agenda. Yes, I'm. I'm spreading propaganda. Okay, Coach K just retired, so someone's got to fight the good fight still, and I'm, I will be that guy. I are will you? Be that guy. Are you in the running for that job? By the way, I'd heard tell um, that. Well, listen, my DMs are open. If they need, well, so 
if they need a bagman, I'll be the okay. bagman. Gotcha. I will be the bagman. I think they are in need of one because the bagman got hired as head coach. So <laughs> yeah, I think, true. I think they need a, they need a bagman there in Durham, and I would happily step up. Um, so, all right, let's say Jalen Suggs gets in the Magic's front office ear, and they just can't deny it. They can't deny Chet Holmgren. They can't deny the uniqueness. I think we would all kind of agree that they would go probably Jabari Smith there at two. Um, a 42% three-point shooter at 6'10", and super long, athletic, and a really good defender. I think that checks a lot of boxes. Oh, most definitely. Um, and the fa- I mean, he's 18 years old right now. We talk about great at defense, great shooter. Uh, his weaknesses would be like finishing around the rim and then like handling it, playmaking. What's a superstar upside because he can't do those things? The kid is 18 years old and like reportedly a hard worker. So and like and is he? He's like the same age as Shaden Sharp, right? Like they're almost like identical in age. Yeah, I think so. I think Jabari's like a month older than him or something. Yeah, it's super it's crazy. Close. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just the fact that people are setting it in stone this early. Like there's a huge group of people out there who are like Jabari Smith Jr. will never be anything but three and D it's like, man, you're putting a lot of limits on a hardworking 18 year old who just averaged 17 points per game in college as a, as a freshman. Yeah. And they're, and they were number one in the nation for however many weeks. I made that exact point. They were a great team. I was like, when was the last time anybody had Auburn that high at all? It was like, he was single-handedly just willing them to wins. It's, it's crazy stuff. I know, I know. He was, He's awesome, man. And I just, with the team makeup that is, I know it, it would kind of almost be uh, outside of like Chet. It would be, obviously you're drafting. For for me, best available, you draft best available if you're a tanking team. It doesn't matter what position. You just acquire talent. That's that's just my, that's just my kind of rule of thumb, I, I would guess. But, I mean, but I think both Chet and Jabari and hell, even Paolo, like they kind of, our best available and best fit too. Like I think Jabari, like with with this team too, you know, it lacks a lot of shooting. Oklahoma City, if they get Jabari Smith Jr., uh, that problem's just that's problem's gone overnight, basically. And you say that it's kind of worked out that way. Who's to say that wasn't by design last year? You know, everybody was surprised True. that that Giddy, a guard, went last year. I mean. Sam Presti knows, and the, the Thunder organization as a whole knows who's up and coming. I mean, it's not like the day after the 2021 draft, he's like, all right, who's Chet Holmgren? It's like, no, he <laughs> knows these guys have been coming up for four, five, maybe more years. So Giddy one year, Chet this year, Vic next year, you, you never know. I mean, he, he's got the, his finger on the pulse of all this stuff. So, Absolutely. All right. Now to, we're getting back in the propaganda machine here. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to lay out, lay out my, my life right here. I'm going to, I'm going to lay out everything uh, for a guy named Paolo Bancaro. All right. And I, this is what, this is why no team would hire me. Right. I, I have him, I, I would take him number one. And this is why uh, I think, okay. He measured in 16 and a quarter without shoes on. Yeah. Saw that. Verno said pretty, that, right? That 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 shocked me. That shocked me. That's I insane. That is. I don't massive. know if the. I don't know if the afro. You know. I don't know if they. I mean, <laughs> the hair. Like, are they counting like the hair? Like Fletch, he's six five, but six nine with the afro. <laughs> um, I don't. Okay, so that he showed up in every big game. I, I put some stock into that. Every big game that Duke had, 
he was not the problem. Like, he was, he showed up in a big way. Both the North Carolina games at the end that they lost, um, it, it, he was not the problem. He was he was a, absolutely a problem for North Carolina. Like he was the only guy who showed up. Um, the ACC tournament game, a tournament title game against Virginia Tech, where they just kept bombing away threes. But Paolo was not the. And Paolo was probably the best player in the NCAA tournament. Honestly, like he, he just he found his groove. That jump shot consistently improved that or from three. Um, and then if you're just looking at the top three, I think it's no doubt in my mind that he's the best playmaker for others as well. Uh, probably the best passer out of those three. Um, okay, so tell me why I'm taking crazy pills like I'm Mugatu from Zoolander. Uh, you're absolutely not taking crazy pills. Uh, okay, thank you. There's a super, super realistic chance that in three to five years we look back and say – what the hell were we thinking with right, not right. taking Paolo Bancaro number one? Uh, I have him number two right now behind Chet. Uh, for like basically almost the entire year, I had him number one as well. Uh, the fact that he's 6'10 and basically plays like he's 6'2 is absolutely insane. Right. Uh, he can go back to the basket. He can face you up. He can pass. Uh, defensive stuff is way, way overblown. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, Three-point shot needs to get better. I think it will. Like you said, in the tournament, that dude was frying. I mean, he looked like he could have been averaging 15 points in this year's playoff run in the NBA. Right, like right. He, he was looking crazy. So, And then, like you said, uh, Vernon on the, uh, the mismatch said he was 6'10 without shoes on. Uh, I don't know Ooh. that I ever see him as like a five. But I guess, if, I mean, if you wanted to go small ball with him as your biggest player on the court, it could work. Uh, no, yeah. you're absolutely not crazy. And I've heard some reports this week, uh, just like reading, nothing I've heard personally, but just reading that the Magic are really considering him. So, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you mentioned that too. Like, we saw that Mark Williams got in foul trouble sometimes in the NCAA tournament. And yeah, it was Paolo at the five. <laughs> like, hey, yep. just go be an athletic freak and grab some rebounds, basically. <laughs> like, that's, that's what we need from you. So, okay, thank you. Thank you for you know, not making me feel crazy uh, about that. Because I, I, I wonder, like, this whole time, I'm just wondering, like, is it just my Duke bias or am I actually seeing something <laughs> here? Or is it because I've watched him more than anyone else? So thank you for, uh, for not making me feel crazy. Um, so, okay, let's go at 12. This, this, can, be just, this can be just real quick. Uh, obviously, Thunder, as of this moment, have the 12th pick in the draft. A lot of options here. A lot of chips can fall a bunch of different ways. Uh, I'm going to automatically rule a guy out, uh, and that's Oshai Abaji from Kansas. I'm going to automatically rule him out. He's 22 years old. The Thunder is just not going to take a rookie that's 22 years old. I'm sorry, no matter how good you think that Oshai Abaji can be, and I think he can be good on the right team, but Thunder just aren't going to take a rookie who's 22. Um, so, all right, at 12, let's just say, for argument's sake, they stay there some guys that you think could fit in. Let's go ahead and give, if, if this matters to you, let's go ahead and say Thunder get Chet at two. At 12, what are, what are we looking at? Um, I mean, there's just so many options. There's a ton of conflicting reports right now. Uh, there's stuff that I've heard that, that has kind of changed my mind. I think the most realistic options are probably like Shaden Sharp, I genuinely think, could get there to 12. Uh, Jeremy Sohan, Johnny Davis, Jalen Dern, I think, will be there. Uh, one thing you you might not enjoy, I've heard A.J. Griffin's stock is going way down and that he could be late I can lotto. It. 
I can um, believe it. And now I don't know if that's bombing workouts. I don't know if that's the injury history. I don't know what that is, but I think he'll be there at 12. I think Dern will be there at 12. There's a chance it's Sharp. I don't know that I see Sharp uh, fitting with what Sam Presti and the Thunder are trying to do. Uh, I've heard Sohan's a top 10 lock. I don't know if that's true or not. I could see Branham. I've heard the Thunder really like Jing. Who knows if that's true? Right. Um, I mean, it would fit. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's long, lanky, young, and he played in Australia. So Right. If I had to absolutely guess, I'm going to go Jing, just based off what I've heard and, and kind of the educated guesses that I've made. Uh, but I've also heard the Spurs really like him at nine. So if they, they, I mean, for this scenario, you said 12, but they would have to go up to get Zhang is what I'm hearing. Okay, so, I got you. you know, that that kind of makes sense because like the Spurs took Josh Primo, who was like, <laughs> they took him at 11 or something, yeah, 11 or like 12. Out of, just out of nowhere, we're like, okay. Yeah, he, he was projected was, like 28 and they were like, yes. oh, we'll take him at, uh, yeah, we'll take him up here. Yeah. It's like, and the, like we've seen teams do that too. Like they took, the Suns took Cam Johnson at like yeah. 11. Like, I mean, it's, it's worked out, but it, Hey, sometimes if it's, if it's your guy, you just, you just take your guy. Um, you mentioned AJ Griffin, we, we won't spend a ton of time on him um, just because I, this is one I'm probably not going to put the propaganda out for. <laughs> um, the, the drafts going on during the year, like the mock drafts during the, se- the college basketball season, where it was like it had him up at like five. I was like, I don't see that. But if some team wants to take him at five, I guess that's good for the brand of Duke. But I just I don't see it. I feel like that would be a bad pick all the way up there at five or six range. I've been I've been like notoriously down on AJ Griffin. Like I'm not a I'm not a massive fan of his game. But to your point, it was when they had him like four, five, six range. Like I thought that was a little right. crazy. Now that he's floating like eight to late lotto, I think that's a great pick. As long as like, you know, the injury history doesn't scare you. Uh as long as you have a role for him, uh, at least out the gate until maybe he can develop into more. Who knows? Uh but in in the eight to fourteen range, great pick. Now four five that is yeah, that's a that's, little wild. That's a reach. I mean, he shot it well, but to me, I'm with you. Like the shot form is a little. It's a little. It's janky. got a hitch. Yeah, it's got something yeah. in it. Something. It's, it's a little janky, which is weird because his dad played in the NBA. His dad's an assistant coach in the NBA. Yeah. Like, and is up there for like head coaching jobs in the NBA. And I, I just don't get how a shot could be that look that weird. It goes in. But it, I mean, about eighty percent of the time, is that what he shot? Eighty percent from three. Yeah, I think it, it, it felt like it. It <laughs> felt like it. Um, but I, just to me, I was watching it. I just didn't think it was sustainable. Like that, the, the way he was shooting, like at, at one point, he was shooting like fifty something percent from yeah. three. I was like, what? This is not sustainable. And it all came crashing down in the last game against uh, North Carolina, where he went like over. <laughs> he went like over eight. Um, so all right, so twelve, like you said, like. There's a ton of possibilities. I, I, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, so I, I just thought it was interesting, some of the guys that maybe you thought would be there. Uh, do you think if Johnny Davis falls to 12, do you think the Thunder would be tempted by that? Absolutely. I think, I mean, again, it, this is just an educated guess, but I think the way that he plays, his effort on defense, his mentality, I don't know if it, you've ever watched any interviews with him, but he seems like a, a hard, hard worker, a good kid, so... I think if he's there at 12, he's absolutely, absolutely a solid candidate to uh, to be drafted by OKC. I have not seen any interviews of him. I just know that uh, he is sponsored by Taco Bell, and he has a Taco Bell <laughs> yeah. commercial. So, yeah. I mean, hey, that's fine with me. It's fine with me. Um, okay, so a lot of smoke. This is a 
this is a heavy smoke time for right. uh, for NBA draft fans, uh, for all the rumors and everything. And smoke, it'll scramble your brain. And it's scrambled my brain. Uh, it scrambles my brain each time we do this. Each time we go through this draft stuff, especially since the Thunder have started this this tank job that they've been on for a couple of years now. All right. There have been reports that the Thunder want to go up to four. That they've been the most aggressive. I think Jonathan Gavoni said that they're ready to put the, like the pedal, the gas pedal on the floor. Like they're ready to fully accelerate this. Um, and they've been most aggressive trying to trade up to four. Obviously we had the reports come out about the, about the trailblazers pick at seven. Um, I think both of these would have to involve Lou Dort. I just don't see another player unless someone really buys into uh, Michich um, as like, hey, he'll play for us and we think he'll be really good for us. But I just don't see another player on the Thunder's roster that they'd be willing to get give away. Um, like they're not getting rid of Trey Mann. Like it's, I don't think they're getting rid of Trey Mann um, to try to move up to any of these spots. So what would... So what would either of these trades look like? Because I don't think that a team like Portland or a team like the Kings, who the Kings are obviously trying to win now, they had, they just traded for DeMontis Sabonis, which, I mean, it was it, I, I like getting DeMontis Sabonis. I don't like getting DeMontis Sabonis at the risk of trading away Tyrese Halliburton. I right. didn't like that at all. Um, and then the Trailblazers, because Damian Lillard won't run from the grind. Um, the, Damian, the, the Trailblazers are going to try to win now, too. So do the Thunder have enough win-now players? Is Lou Dort enough? And then do they care about draft capital enough to make the trade back all the way to 12? Uh, I know I just threw a lot at you right there. I'm sorry, but no, I no, just kind of laid it all you're out. You're good. Um, it's just it's really tough. Like you said, the Thunder have pretty much exhausted their win now, like assets. Dort's got to be up. Well, I say that. Win now assets that they actually want to give up. Uh, Shea is probably not going to be on the move. Josh is not going to be on the move. Like you said, Trey Man probably not. If you want to get up to four, four's up there, man. I mean, there's yeah. been reports that That's the Kings... That's very aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> there's been reports that the Kings want like a King's ransom for it. Uh, no pun intended. Right. Um, Maybe man has to go into that if you're that that high on Ivy, and I mean maybe he get maybe Ivy gets man's minutes if that's the call. I don't know, uh, but after Dort, there's just really no one moving the needle. I mean Darius Baisley probably isn't doing much for Sacramento. Derek Favors, uh, Jamichael Green, those guys probably aren't moving the needle so much. So you're you're gonna have to reach into your uh, your unprecedented bag of assets to go get there, uh, and they absolutely could. I mean they have the ammo to do it. I think to get to four, you're going to have to get to seven and eight first. Like you said, that's probably going to have to include Dort going up five spots from 12 to seven, eight-ish. But then once you're at seven, eight, you don't have Dort. How do you get to four? Man, and some extra firsts. I don't know. It's a super interesting conversation. Sam is going to have to be really, really sold on Ivy. I think think the most interesting thing is that, I mean, who the heck would the Kings even take? Like Murray? Because... They haven't even worked out sharp. I've heard that they're completely out on him. They don't even like they didn't even want to work him out at all. Uh, and then Ivy's camp has basically been like, we don't want to go to Sacramento. <laughs> like right. we're not going to come work out for you. Like we're but not think, doing that. I think Davion Mitchell did the same thing, but look where he he's did. at. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Maybe that's the, they're like, hey, this guy doesn't want us. That makes us want him more. Yeah, it's like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a plan hard to get kind of thing. 
Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, don't play hard to get with us. We'll just take you. We'll just take you. Um, my thing is, uh, you know, everyone loves Lou Dort. And, uh, right, I, I get it. You know, undrafted guy, works his ass off on the defensive end. And he, he showed some improvement this year offensively, no doubt. Um, but that 17 points per game was kind of a by default, like someone else ha- like you have to score some points. 100%. So like someone else has to score besides Shea. So I, but Jaden, if you're, if you're yeah, going to get super aggressive and trying to go up against Jaden Ivy, his ceiling as a basketball player is just in a different stratosphere than Lou Dort's. That's, that's really all I'd, I'd have to say about, about that to maybe try to calm some Thunder fans down. Yeah. If you, uh, if Dort does get traded, let's say, I mean, like it happens, Dort goes, maybe someone else goes, uh, but you end up with four. Watching Jaden Ivey tape is going to ease every everything. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. The dude is, I mean, he is just a joke athletically. Like, like one of the most athletic prospects we've seen maybe ever. Like he is just unbelievable. He can go from like zero to 100 in, I mean, 0.2 seconds. It's unreal. He's one of the most fun prospects to evaluate. I mean, he's going to go four. There's going to be three players above him, but he's, he's got the most fun tape out of anyone in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, it's so funny you say that. When I was talking to Christine, we were basically talking about this, this exact same scenario. And, you know, there's the report that, you know, I think Shay maybe even said that, that, you know, he has a close relationship with Sam and, you know, they, they run some stuff by him before they're going to do it, yada, yada. And his close relationship with Lou Dort, I was like, hey, if they run by a Lou Dort trade and Shay doesn't want to do it, he's going to be, Sam's going to be like, hey, come, come with me. Let's go watch this. Let's go watch this Jaden Ivey kid together. Let's go watch yeah. him together. Let's watch him some tape. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Shea would mind too much after he's throwing lobs and uh, Jaden Ivey's head is above the rim. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, I know. Listen, the Thunder love the the um, the early second round picks. We saw mm-hmm. Tail Maladon get drafted there. Jeremiah Robinson Earl get drafted there. Um, they got another one at 34 as of this moment, they still have the 34th pick, um, Mm -hmm. in that draft. I mean, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to know who's going to be there. Um, I I would just say, (laughs) I would just say if, if, uh, Christian Coloco is there some, by some miracle, I would, Mm -hmm. I would love to have Christian Coloco on the thunder. Who's, who's a player maybe that you think could be there at 34 that would intrigue you. There's so, like you said, there's so, so many options. Uh, a couple international guys I really like there are Gabby Prachita. He's, yes. uh, he's like a 6'6", lengthy wing. I forget where he played, but he is just smooth as butter. Uh, really could fit into like a, a two hybrid three role. Uh, go watch him. I mean, he is just like one of the smoothest guys you'll ever see. Uh, Ismail Kamagate, uh, he played over in France. Uh, just an absolute unit. He's kind of a 4-5 a hybrid, uh, but... Really strong, plays great defense, uh, can get above the rim, really good. Uh, some other guys, Jabari Walker, Colorado, really good defensive player, might be kind of a plug-and-play second unit kind of guy, similar to maybe a Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, they've worked out Keon Ellis twice now. I'm not a massive fan, but, right. I mean, y'all do you. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. They, they, all they've of, done all right with that, with that uh, early second-round pick before, so yeah. you know, maybe they see something. Maybe they see something. Yeah. Genuinely, all of the guys that I liked early second round are now like 
rising to the first. Right. So I don't know if that's like an indictment on like, maybe I'm a legend. I don't know. But like, they're all gone. I don't have anyone left that I like there. So I think that's like I said, to start the show, I, I trust you. And I think, you know, maybe (laughs) Sam, Sam Presley's got ears everywhere. I'm sure he's got ears on the the panhandles. The panhandles. Yeah. hundred percent. He does. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So a couple like, Rapid fire, not rapid fire, but just some. I, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper, maybe on some drafts past, and then uh, again on this this draft uh, some more. We'll we'll stick with this one here. A prospect that you love, that maybe a lot of other people are out on. Uh, there's reports that like Tari Eason is not nailing workouts or interviews or what have you. I love Tari Eason, and there's people that I follow and that I've kept up with and that I talk to sometimes that I say Tari Eason is a great, great interviewer. So to me, you talk about smoke earlier. This seems like smoke from maybe a specific team. I don't know if it's the Rockets, whoever it is, that they want him to fall so they can get him. You know what I mean? So right. Tari Eason, uh, 6'9", forward out of LSU, played the six-man role similar to Scotty Barnes. I mean... Absolute spark plug, both offensively and defensively. Uh, maybe one of the best defenders in the draft period. Uh, we talk about guys that maybe don't have pristine mechanics offensively. Shots pretty funky. Uh, but crazy athletic, crazy motor. He's a really, really raw guy, uh, but could totally be worth a swing. I like Tari Eason. Okay, and and vice versa. A, a prospect that you are just like, I just don't see it, that everyone is kind of in agreement that they that they like a lot. We might have covered him earlier in this show. Uh, Shaden Sharp doesn't have a ton of tape. I, I just don't see it. He, he's got no vertical speed, blow-by, burst, whatever you want to call it. He, he, it's just not there. Uh, I think he has some weird story about how he became the number one prospect. Like, two guys reclassified. He had one good tournament and jumped from, like, low 20s to, like, number one immediately. Uh, I mean, I, I, you got to question his competitive spirit. Didn't play U19 in Canada. Didn't play at the Combine. Didn't play a single game in college. Uh, is not doing five-on-five five for a team right now. I, I just, I think he could be really, really good. I think the, like, talks up to number four are crazy. I think even the chances of him going, like, five, six, seven, eight are kind of crazy. Maybe he's a late lotto guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not massively high on him. I, I think it's kind of a, a mystery box thing where y- you don't know what you're getting, so you're automatically going to go to the good things when, I don't know, there could be a lot of bad things. Right. See, I, I thought I thought you were going A.J. Griffin. I thought you were going A.J. Griffin there. Uh, and A.J. Griffin might be mine as well as a Duke fan, just saying that, just because I don't know how much he got really asked to do off the dribble, uh, off the dribble at at Duke just because you have guys like Trevor Keels, guys like Paolo who did all that stuff for him. And he was more so just kind of a spot up shooter. And we didn't, we just didn't really get to see a whole lot of that out of his game at Duke. So if he is just a, a spot up shooter, I, I don't know if I would take him really that high or his range, those teams that are kind of looking at him. You know, I heard the Blazers really like him. Uh, I, I think he met with Dame and they gelled pretty well. Uh, the Pelicans are in that range. Maybe the Knicks take a shot on them. Those teams work. I mean, they're not going to ask him to do too much out the gate. He's going to sit in a corner, and Brandon Ingram's going to throw him the ball, and right. Dame's going to throw him the ball, and he's going to shoot, like we said, 80% from three. Right. So if you can give him some time, I think that's great. 
Uh, defensively, there's question marks. Sometimes he looks super locked in. Sometimes not so great. Uh, but for that range, that's fine. But when when we're talking about like number four overall, and you're kicking Ivy out in favor of AJ Griffin, I think that's wild. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna show my hand here. Um, the past drafts, a guy that you were just uh, out on, a guy that you were just just completely out on, that ended up just being great. Like, this ended up just being like blowing expectations out of the water. Um, okay, so I, I will hand up here. I was not the biggest fan of Evan Mobley. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Shoot me, shoot me down here. But whenever his own coach had questions about maybe his motor, that always scares me. That mm-hmm. always scares me. Whenever there's motor, like you said, competitiveness questions with, with Shaden Sharp, that always scares me a ton, especially, especially when it's a bigger guy. But, I mean, I saw the talent. I saw that. And then I saw people being like, oh, he's Kevin Durant. I'm like, no. He's not Kevin Durant. Like no one, no one is Kevin Durant. He's a one of one guy, and um, you know what? Hand up. I I was wrong, Derek. I was completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, last year with me it was Scotty Barnes. Like I watched his tape. He's a six man. The dude could. I, I mean, I'm not hating. Like he's literally one rookie of the year. He's amazing basketball player. The dude could not dribble the basketball at, at <laughs> Florida State. He was awful. His shot was jank. He was athletic, I guess. He couldn't dribble, couldn't handle. I was like, people are talking about this guy going four. You know, Chad Ford, right. like he was he was in that six range. Chad Ford comes out and was like, he might be the number one pick. And I was like, you are crazy. I was like, this dude shouldn't even be top 10. And good for him. He seems like a great kid. He absolutely proved me, proved me wrong. I'm eating crow, no doubt, about Scotty Barnes. Oh, yeah. And then uh, how were you on the Josh Giddy pick? Because I was... I was disheveled when Jonathan Kaminga's name didn't pop up next to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was absolutely disheveled, and now I can say, hey, I was wrong. Absolutely wrong. Even though Jonathan Kaminga's a champion now. <laughs> yeah, NBA and champions. He had a lot uh, to do. He had a lot Kuminga to do. Kuminga and that. Moody. Yeah, he, Kaminga had a lot to do with that championship run. Um, honestly, I, I was not in the camp of, like, burn it all down. We just drafted Josh Giddy. Uh, I, I mean, I figured he would be a really good basketball player. Now, he has absolutely blown my expectations away. I can't say I wasn't surprised when they took him. You know, I was probably expecting, like everyone else, Book Knight or Kuminga. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a world where Josh Giddey was going to be bad. It was just, it seemed like a reach at the time and, and turned out not to be, so. Yeah, see, Book Knight, I did not buy the Book Knight smoke at all. I was As soon I, as I saw him at, uh, what's yeah. the steak place downtown? Oh, Cattleman's? Uh, or, oh, wait, no, downtown. Uh, mahogany? or Yes, one of as those? soon as I yeah. saw him and Presti at Mahogany, I was like, it's a wrap. Get one it's steak right. in him and it's over. Right. It's over. A high-priced one. That It was probably one of the best steaks um, James Booknight's ever had, but I I just <laughs> didn't buy it for whatever reason. I was watching the tape and I was just like, I just, I can, yeah, he's a good scorer. Like, he's a really good scorer. I, but at six, I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. Like It was up there. Um, it was really And then I got doubly surprised when Josh Giddey's name <laughs> comes across the screen. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm happy that I was wrong about Josh Giddy. I went through the stages of grief though, right? I like I'm I'm mad, I'm upset. I'm like, how could they just leave Jonathan Kaminga there? And not only that, he's going to the Warriors of all places uh next. And then, you know, I, I started talking myself into it. 
start talking yeah. myself into it. And then but a week goes by. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be great. I just know it. Because <laughs> I, I was, just talk uh, myself into it. Yeah. I was watching at my co-host Jake Kerr's house. And I was like reporting for Inside the Thunder. I was like writing stuff and like updating it. And so I was like reading the Shams updates, but they didn't want the Shams updates. They were like watching. And so I got to react first. And I was literally just like, like <laughs> right. I, I mean, like my jaw dropped. And he was like, who is it? Who is it? Kuminga? And I was just like stunned. And he was like, oh, oh, is it book night? And then it comes up and it was Josh Gideon. We were all like, all, every single one yeah. of us were like stunned. So it was a pretty oh, funny, uh, pretty funny moment. Kaminga though, I, he's he's gonna be fine, man. In that organization, oh, yeah. yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be just fine for sure. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. Okay, my guy that I am not as high on as everyone else for whatever reason is Keegan Murray. Mm. I, I, I I you can talk you can talk me off the ledge here. To me, when I'm watching him, he looks he. I know he's super. He is athletic. I mean, he, he can go up and dunk on people. I get it. Whenever he's dribbling and i think he's gonna be asked to do some of that on the wing i don't think they're gonna be using him like iowa kind of used him sometimes where he'd post some some smaller guys up and do all that stuff i don't think he's, he's gonna be doing a whole lot of that uh in the at the next level he looks a little stiff in the hip in the hip range he looks a little bit stiff maybe not the best ball handler uh yet which that that can that can be worked on but talk me into into keegan murray because he's he's my guy this year like not like Evan Mobley last year, because I could see Evan Mobley's talent. I was just like, I have questions about the motor. If, if his mm-hmm. own head coach has questions about his motor, right. um, so Keegan Murray, talk me in to this. And this would be the last one. Sorry, because I, I just I forgot about uh, him. Because I, I really wanted to ask you. He's he's to me he's outside of Shaden Sharp for me. Like he's like kind of the mystery man. I'm like because he's kind of the tweener that we talked about earlier. And now this is a a terrible comparison, but a guy that was like a tweener who was going to be asked to be, you know, a, a score wing player in in the pros like Doug McDermott, like obviously mm-hmm. Keegan Murray's way more talented than Doug McDermott. I don't think we need to go in there, but, um, and way more athletic than Doug McDermott. Uh, but the, the tweeners always sort of give me trouble in like kind of evaluating them. No, I think, I think there's a ton of fair criticism about Keegan Murray out there, including what you're saying. Like, He's not really like a jump out of the gym guy, but he's not really like a sharpshooter either. He's kind of like you're saying a tweener. He's like very in between. Uh, he put up video game numbers at Iowa. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as we've seen before, that that's been misleading at Iowa specifically. So, no, there's a ton of fair criticism. I would say to anyone that's down on him, I mean, he's just going to be solid. There's no scenario where he's going to be bad at all. Like. He's going to be able to do a little bit of everything here and there. Absolutely fine defensively. He can score at all three levels. He's not elite at all three levels, but he can he can get to all three. Uh, I, I mean, he's just going to be a good basketball player for a long time based off what he does, how long he is. So I can certainly see the case for like people being ranked above him in terms of like upside. But like Keegan Murray, I mean, he's going to be so good for so long. Absolutely, man. Well, that Derek, Derek, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Honestly, I appreciate your time taking time out of the day. This was I was super excited for this interview. Not only just to just to talk basketball with you and talk, you know, the draft with you because uh, I love I love your your draft takes and all this stuff. But man, I just love seeing you. I just love Dude, seeing you. It's thank you so while. much. This is such a like full circle experience for me because I think uh, OKC eighty two. Uh, was the very first podcast I ever appeared on 
in general. I think with with Brady and Madison, uh, I was sitting in a post game in in what was then the uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to jump on?" And I said, "No," and I spit on them. No, and I was right, just like, yeah, "Of course." Yeah. I was like, "Of course." So I, I yeah. hopped on, and uh, I was probably so so bad. But no, thank you so much, Matt. This is this has been amazing. I love talking to you. I miss your sweet face every day. Miss your face, man. I miss your face. And hey, good luck with the mustache. Good luck with getting the mustache back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm Thank sorry you. I'm for working diligently, diligently yeah. day and night. I'm trying to get it back. Uh, we're gentle. getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, be gentle to it. Uh, if you if you're not re- if you're not already, go follow Derek on Twitter at dparkok, uh, insidethethunder.com, and then the Panthers podcast with him and Jake Kerr. Derek, thank you so much again, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.